everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes three and four of Alchemy of Souls. I, I have two unimportant things to talk about, and then I know we both have one very important thing to talk about. Yes. What order should we do them in? Let's do... Okay, so I almost feel like we should get the big thing out of the way. Typically, like, I think we avoid trying to end on, like, the things that are quote-unquote dumb, like, are just, like, little silly observations. But that said, I think we run the risk, if we don't get it out of the way, of ending on a really long feminist rant. And I feel like we should just get it out of the way now and let everyone know where we're at, like with the general vibe of women in this show and fantasy, and then be like, and now it's acknowledged, and it's out there, and we can talk about the actual specifics of the show. Okay, I'll put timestamps in. This feminist rant will probably include us talking about some sexual assault, which has been included in the show, so it will not be surprising. But if you don't want to hear about that, you can skip ahead. I'll put it in the timestamps of the show. Let's go. Let's hit this hard. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's tough to, like, get started. Usually I feel like our feminist rants are so organic. And now that we've presented it, I'm like, oh no, where to even start? And I think where I want to start is that last time we did, like, it's so funny. We turned off the recording, and then when we were done, we were like... Oh, but also, like, women in fantasy is so, like, it's so frustrating. Because, and this show has, like, fallen into the same thing that so many fantasy, like, pieces of work and stuff fall into, where they say, like, all right, here's my big fantasy world, and it's got magic, and it's got a whole new map, and it's not set in the real world, and it's somewhat inspired by the, you know, fashion and times of a historical place, um, and, and time, you know, like the, a general date or idea. But at the same time, it's really just inspired, because if you look at, like, the iridescent rainbow outfits of these mages, right? Where they're like, it's like pastel rainbow stuff where I feel gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And also I feel pretty reasonably confident that that outfit didn't exist historically. But in this fantasy world, I can absolutely accept that because magic exists here. And the fashions are going <laughs> to be maybe a little more out there, a little more inspired, a little, you know, a little more fun and interesting and fantasy world. But this, the one thing that fantasy writers cannot seem to escape from, or very, very rarely escape from, is the fact that they say, but the world still fucking sucks for women. It still sucks to be a woman <laughs> in this world. There are only six women, so don't worry about it. The po population here is not half women. It's definitely, there are barely any women around. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, it does suck to be any one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if if you're a woman, you have to kind of just focus on who you're... If you're a woman in power, you have to kind of just focus on who you marry, right? Like, that's kind of what your main conversations are going to look like with the other women in power around you. And if you're not a well, woman in power... we've got the freaking mage of the Jong house. Is that who, what her name is? Like, Jin. The one Jin of the, house. The Jin house. One of the most powerful mages in this freaking world she's got her own house and all everybody ever talks about is her dead daughter yeah. they're just like let me slap you in the face with your dead daughter and she's like can i not have a conversation that is not about that oh that is okay yeah. we're at the tip of the iceberg we're gonna work our way down yeah her daughter her sole role is to be one of the most powerful people in this world she is one of the four seasons but her only role in the group, in the fun little group that's full of three dudes who are best friends, they get to hang out, they get to play together, they get to study and banter, and then there's this girl, and she just comes in as in love with one of them, so she ruins the whole dynamic, doesn't get to hang out, doesn't get to be cool, 
why? Yeah, actually gets questioned on, like, but why are you here? Like, why are you coming? Oh, so you're going to just fight with the- pick a fight with the main character, but then give him her medicine? Cool, sounds like a good fun time, you lame loser. I don't know why you're here. (laughs) What? Yeah. She's so cool. Yeah, and then her conversation with her mother that revolved around how she would, though, really still like to try to marry him, even though she fully knows she was being used by him. And it's like, okay- I don't discredit you as a character because I really want her to turn out like, I want her to turn out super, super cool. But at this point, I'm like, grow a spine. He sounds like he was a real fucking jerk to you if you knew the whole time that the only reason he was with you is because he was convinced that you or someone in your family would unlock his energies. He's a real jerk to Mudok, and he seems to genuinely like her. Yeah. So, like, raise that bar, homegirl. Yeah. Raise that bar. He's trash. He's the worst of anybody <laughs> we've met. Like, we will bash on him later. He's not part of the feminist rant. But um, raise that bar. Do not be in love with him and have that be your whole personality. That is so dumb. Yeah, do literally anything else. Um, I have been... Very casually, I forgot to do it through the first bit of the third episode, but I very casually have been, like, Blechdel testing this show since we (laughs) talked about it last time after we recorded, Um, and I I don't think that it's passed the Blechdel test yet. The first two episodes might have. I think they did because... Because, uh, I'm so sorry, one second. No, I googled it, it's Bechdel. Okay, and that Bechdel. threw me off, so I'm sorry I was zoned out. No, no, that is just fine. I, yeah, I don't know why I tossed uh, an extra L in there. The Bechdel test, um, where, uh, I think one of the first, probably the second episode passes it when Mudok is talking to, um, one of the women at the courtesan house. Uh, Jewel, because they talk about selling the plaque. Yes. But otherwise, and if you're not familiar with the Bechdel test, it is a test that you can apply to, like, any work of fiction or media, where you just take a look at it and you see if any two women have a conversation that is not about a man. Any kind of, like reference to these people, these women having a personality that doesn't revolve around the men in the world. And I do think that this show passes because of that so far. But other than that, it's like every episode that Mudok has with, um, with Maid Kim, is that right? Oh, yeah. Is always about Jong-uk. Jong-uk, yeah. (laughs) The fact that one of the other female leads is called Maid Kim. Yes. That's just her name. And that's just her name, is she's the maid, and she was in love with the father of the young man she now serves as a maid for, and and that's why, and she was sort of friends with his mom, like, friends, but also a servant to his mom, and so... It's messy. It's so messy, and that's just her role, is just like, <laughs> uh, it's and it's... So frustrating. It's just frustrating. And again, we're just looking at the tip of the iceberg right here because so far, um, our most recent episodes don't pass any kind of test where there's any kind of conversation between women. And it is cool that, like, the main character was the world's top assassin and an incredibly powerful sorceress. But I guess it just feels so anecdotal that, like, one, one woman had real power. Because the only other women we see even fighting ever is in episode four, I think, when somebody goes to the Jin house and steals the dog. And we see all the guards there are females. Like, awesome. You get half a point in your corner for being like, there actually are a lot of very capable female soldiers in this show. They do happen to all work at the same house because they can't they can't work anywhere else. They have to be hired at the women house. Yeah. But it's cool for them. 
They do exist. You're welcome. Yeah, and they're cool and they're rad. They, it's just that the men won't hire them. <laughs> they can't work at Sangrim. It would be too hard for them. It would be too hard. They're just so emotional. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we don't see them anywhere else, but apparently female guards do exist. That's cool. Um, a lot of the other female representation, including, yeah, Mudok slash Naksu. It's like, it, they're telling us it's cool, but the whole premise of this show is that she's not cool anymore. She's in a body that she can barely utilize and can't do any of her cool shit anymore. And it's like, that's fine. That would be a very compelling premise if you just showed other women being very powerful and very cool all the time. It would be a better balance. It would feel good. It feels like you gave us one really badass female and then immediately took her away. And you're like, that's the premise. Yep. Hang on tight. That's what you get. It's like, really, though? Uh, yeah, it's just... Mm. Should we go deep? Should we go deep, Raquel? Let's get to the <laughs> bottom of the iceberg. This is the part that required the trigger warning. We, I want to talk about Doha. Yeah. I feel like she's the most important. She's the most, like, triggering. This is not good female representation. I hate this every time they talk about her. Yeah. Like part of the show. If Doha comes up, there's been one person that referenced her as just like a really kind, beloved person, at least in these two episodes that I can think of. It was um the the medicine man, uh Master Hale, oh. I wanna say. Um and even then, like it wasn't a good conversation. It was just that at one point he was like everyone thought she was like the the nicest person in the world. Everyone loved her. I think it was him that said that. Oh, see? I feel like people are pretty consistent about being like, she was beautiful and kind, and we all loved her, and it was a tragedy that she died. And it's like, that's pretty consistent. Yeah, but then, yeah, we get into the whole... What Well, what they refer to it as, and I know that they maybe don't have the correct words for how complicated they've made the issue... But Park Jin straight up to his, like, quote-unquote nephew's face, to the son of the woman he's supposedly in love with, was like, you're just a product of your whore mom's affair. Like, who knows who she slept with? Not me. I don't know. When it's like, at that point... You're throwing her under the bus. It's not really saving him. It's just, like, really destructive. You're reducing, like, you're being incredibly reductive because she wasn't, that wasn't what she did. It wasn't an affair. She, like, she was tricked and there was not consent because of the fact that she didn't know who she was giving consent to. She thought she was giving consent to her husband. And that's not an affair. That's... That's rape. That's that's the big R word. Like, that's the worst thing that could have happened. And no one ever acknowledges how heartbreaking that is. Or, like, or like her place in that. Or, like, how, like, what she deserves from that situation. And it's certainly not to just, like, have her son lied to and be told that she had an affair. Because she didn't. And that's horseshit. Yeah. Her husband's whole story has now been wrapped around how pitiful he makes himself Yes, in this context where he's like, I feel like the real victim here because my son is not my son and now my son is in danger because he's going to be the most powerful wizard or whatever this world has ever known and I'm really hurt by all of this and it there is just no compassion in his heart at all for what his wife went through. It's just like, well, she's dead, so we don't really think about her. Yeah. We think about how hard it is for me to have to close the gate of my own son who is not my son. You're like, bro, this is not about you at all. There has been zero, zero time spent on even telling her what happened, let alone healing as a family from this. Yeah. But especially with her at the center, 
being like, you are the victim here. You are the main victim. The rest of us have been affected. And that is horrifying. And we all get to deal with that pain in our own ways. But first and foremost, she is the victim. And that was never acknowledged. And and now it's being twisted to be even worse. Yeah. Weaponized against her son. Weaponized against her son. Oh my god, it's sickening. Yeah. It is actually nauseating. But like on top of that, kind of layered within that, is how much it doesn't make sense to keep building on the lie at this point. Like, we've pretty much passed the point of no return. We've definitely gotten to the point where his gate's unlocked, he's unsheathed the sword, he's gaining power rapidly. Um, it, it can't really be stopped, and what's certainly not serving him is perpetuating the lie in just the most heinous possible ways to try to save his life, which is also in, I don't know. I get the initial, like, I get the very, very initial, like, what we need to do is hide how powerful this person, like, this boy will be to save his life. But even then, it's presented as, like, this final act of compassion from the father before he just, like, runs off. Abandons his infant child. Yeah. Um, where it's like, he's not mine, but I'll do these things to make sure he can live. And don't any one of you dare, like, look for other solutions or talk to him about it because this is the only way and I can guarantee you it's the only way and it's just the only way and it's the only way. And it's like, <sighs> I, I guess I'm just not fucking convinced I'm not convinced yeah. that this is this big compassionate act that's going to save his life, especially now, because it's not working anymore. So could we adjust the plan? Could we adjust the plan to not straight up lying to his face to make him feel like he, his mom made choices she never made and weaponize that against him and make him feel like he can never be anything because of these lies that you've told him up until now? It's all so frustrating and absurd where they're like, you have options, you have other options, but I can see that your dream is to be the head mage, and that's just not going to happen for you because of this bloodline thing, which also is just like, I don't know, that's fine. That's a frustrating part of society that you have decided to include in your magical world of wonder. But, you know, if you must, then I guess magic mages have to be bloodline only. Um, sure. But, yeah, just, like, that moment when they're having the one-on-one -on -one conversation when jong -uk is talking to Park Jin in the prison cell, and Park Jin is like, this is where I'm gonna decide to not even... It feels like not even perpetuating the lie at that point. It's like starting a new, more terrible lie. And he keeps justifying it in saying we're going to keep him safe by just beating down his spirit into submission. And it's like that has literally never worked. His whole life you have tried that method. And clearly this guy's spirit is a lot stronger than any of you anticipated. Let's freaking pivot. Let's try a new thing. I vote for honesty. I vote for being like, look, this is a wild and crazy story, but you are like 25 or something. I don't know how old he is. You are old enough that we're going to have a conversation. It's going to rock your world. I need you to know that you cannot just fight the crown prince because you might actually be the crown prince. So anytime you interact with that dude, let's keep your head down. And if you someday want to like take your chance and kill that dude, I guess go for it. But let's train you. Let's get you some understanding of the context that we are all working within. You are in quite some danger by just existing. Here's a lot of the a lot of the moving pieces. Here's everything we're looking at. This is the chessboard. Here are all the people. Yeah. Why not? Why not? And honestly, like I know it would probably rock his world to find out about his dad being soul switched. 
um, at the assumed time of his conception, which I also want to get into. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that there is like an aspect to that that um, would be a comfort, I guess, where they could finally tell him why his father has been ambivalent and missing because he just couldn't deal. He just couldn't deal, and this is the only way he could deal with, you know, the trauma that he actually carries. Because that, I, that is really the only thing so far that I think is okay with the way he handled it, where he was like, I have to go because I can't really deal with this. Like, my wife is dead. The son that she had is assumed to be mine because technically the person in that room with her was supposed to be me. Um, there's n no reason anyone could believe that he wasn't other than the information I have and the information I know. And I am just struggling with that. So I've got to bounce. I've just got to be an absent father. I can't be here to raise this kid but someone else needs to be. Um, that would be fine. Like, I'm not even... I am mad about him bouncing, but only because of, like, the lies and convolution that he he left in his wake of leaving. Where if he... If there was any room for the truth to be imparted, I think that the, it would make a lot of sense to... And I don't know. I know that this is all a fictional fantasy plot where they're like, we have to make it very complicated. We have to keep the lies up. No one can know about this, that, and the other. Da, 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 da. Um, but at the same time, there's just... If you avoid communication so hard that you create like plot holes... <laughs> then all of a sudden, it just feels, I don't know, there's just some level of uh, it, of it that feels a little inauthentic, I guess. That's fair. And now that you say that, I think I started thinking of what would it look like if he, if the father took the blame for leaving his child, where I think that's the part that rubs the wrong way, is that him leaving led everyone to believe that he wasn't the father, and that's the only reason he could have left. And I don't know if he started that rumor or if he just played his part by leaving, but it seems like my impression is that people were like, that must not be his son, because he just closed his gate of energy and then bounced. So Dohua must have had an affair. Whereas I think... There could have been a way for him to take that blame from her and say, like, this is absolutely my son. This is absolutely Doha's son. This is our baby that we had together. But I am just so heartbroken over losing her that I can't look this baby in the face or, like, what have you. Just to be like, I'm not strong enough to do this alone it has nothing to do with her having an affair or this not being my baby. None of that is in question. I don't know who even brought that up. <laughs> but just being like, this is my thing. This is my internal struggle. I'm going to leave. I am the weakest link. Goodbye. Yeah. That seems like a nice way to honor your dead wife. Right. Who went through a traumatic event. like, And more sincerely help the child you're claiming to be helping by setting this whole thing up and leaving where if your your end goal is to be sure that no one ever questions that he's your child and that it's best if he never amounts to anything uh because you want to keep eyes off of him you're not doing a great job you're doing a bad job from day one <laughs> So, what's the real play here? Because it doesn't seem to be saving the baby, so... Psychotic. It's... This guy is the number one mage. He's a little bit... He's acting a little bit emotionally, which <laughs> I'm not... I'm not happy to see. I'm not happy to see. Oh, that whole storyline is wrecked. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely unhinged. I... I feel like maybe it's a good time to transition to the things that we do like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that we've dragged the show for the past 
um, 27 minutes. <laughs> yeah. We've got it. We've got this. We're going to pivot. Um, one thing. So I've got my two stupid notes. Number one, we forgot to say when, because we're doing What's Our Face all throughout the series now. Mm-hmm. Forgot to shout out that this uncle, Park Jin, is the dean from Reply 1988. <gasps> like, I genuinely didn't recognize him. I did not. Oh, he's not credited. I think it might be a different guy. No. No, I'm sure, Raquel. No, it's definitely this guy. I'm so good with faces. You know this. <laughs> it's totally a different guy. God dang it. And they look very similar. But I I did write down this timestamp um, just because my dog started barking. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut it out for shame. <laughs> okay, his name is Eugene Sung. And the guy in reply is Eugene Myung. Oh, that's... Very, very similar. This is wild. I'm looking at their pictures. They do. They look like brothers. Yeah. They look they like look brothers. They look so similar. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. Do it. They look like brothers. They look <gasps> like... I'm adding, I'm, I'm adding them to the list of could-be K-drama siblings. Um, Thanks, Raquel. I was so excited. <laughs> I feel like th- we don't have anyone else. Someone who I do think looks... Very familiar, but I know we haven't seen him in anything. Is uh, the Crown Prince? I think he looks like a character from a drama we never watched for the show, but I watched the first few episodes of it. Or like he's from a drama. I don't, I don't remember how I just structured that sentence, but it feels like it was wrong. Um, <laughs> and now I can't even think of that drama, so that's useless. But um, the Emperor, the the dead Emperor. Uh, is definitely in, interestingly, the same show that I love our female lead for, because this is my first life. He plays what? the male lead's best friend in that, and he is like the romantic interest of the female lead's best friend. What? And then we got a peek at a new character in this show, <gasps> who we've also definitely seen before um, in Mr. Master Sunshine. Lee? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lim Chul-Su. He was in everything. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Reply 1988, interestingly. Um, Signal and Mr. Sunshine. And Crash Landing on You. And Crash Landing on You. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The dude's done it all. He's been in everything we've ever seen. And I know that this is going to make me a fool, but I'm fully on his team. Like, you give me that guy, his sweet, sweet smile. And then you give him a dog, like, yeah. give me the spinoff show. I don't care about anything that's going on with anybody else. Yeah, they're the only two I want to see at this point. <laughs> I love it. It's oh. so good. Okay, well, Who's That Face got off to a rough start, but we saved it by the end. Yeah, we, we, we had a couple faces. <laughs> we did have a couple faces. My other thing, I want to know who your favorite season is who your favorite flower boy is oh um so i do love like the himbo energy of summer um he's got that very he reminds me of lee honky's character that he played in hui yugi i think he's probably my favorite season which is interesting because summer is my least favorite season and I, <laughs> when they first were presenting the seasons, I was super stoked that our main character, uh, our our male lead, is the season of winter, just because I, I think that that's very cool. Um, and oh, really? I thought that was too on the nose for Tsundere. Like he's cold <laughs> on the outside, but warm on the inside. That's super winter, fair. baby. <laughs> like get out of here. Um. Obviously, the whole vibe of our autumn boy is very good. Like, I like him a lot. But there's that, there's just like the Labrador retriever energy of certain secondary characters in K dramas that will always make them my favorite character. Very similar to, um, Henry Lau's character also in Oh My Venus, where if they bring oh, that golden yeah. retriever energy, then I just love them. Dungu. And he's, yeah, he's so helpful, especially in these two episodes. He's like, you tell me something, I am on it. I am setting it up. No questions asked. Whereas, yeah, I love <laughs> Soyul, the fall guy, being just like this amazing 
and kind of terrifying character who knows all and sees all. And it's just it just gives you that little bit of hesitation to be like, I can't fall in love with you. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. I honestly, they did give us some moments also where I was, I did kind of like the chemistry between the two leads, the female and male leads. But that said, there have been, a, there is just something about Autumn. Uh, I I guess I refuse to say their names. Actually, I don't know why <laughs> you keep saying. I like them. it. I think it's easier to follow. Um, but I do love that there's kind of a history between Mudok and Autumn, and I I do feel that vibe. And I wouldn't be sad if they just decided that that is who ends up together, because he he sees her, and he seems to be the only person who can't be manipulated by her. Everyone else, yes. she's running their whole show. And he's the only <laughs> one where he's like, I see what you're doing, but I don't disagree with it, so I'm not going to stop you. And I do like that vibe. That is a little bit the vibe I get from Spring, Jin Cho Yun, mm. and her feelings towards Winter, our main guy, jang Like, I like, I I know that we've mentioned earlier in our feminist rant that we do hate that she's in love with this guy who's so toxic towards her, but there is a part of me that's like, but maybe she's got a good head on her shoulders, she knows what's up, and she's like, I can fix him. No, that's so toxic. That's but, um, <laughs> but she's like, I can, I can handle my own. Like, everybody else shut the fuck up. I can take care of myself. I will know it when to call it quits if things actually get toxic. But we were all on the same page of he just wanted to marry me to open his gate or whatever. But I just wanted to marry him because I think he's hot and I like him and I think that's okay. And I'm like, okay, Choyol, I hear that. I'm interested. So, oh, so I ship that a little tiny bit. A I, tiny ship. I do too. Also, as well, to a little tiny ship, only to the extent that I wouldn't mind seeing him sorry for either taking advantage of her or making her think that he was taking advantage of her. Like, I kind of want him to feel bad about that through the lens of falling in love with her and then being like, shit, I, <laughs> I did a bad thing. Yes. I, it, it's fine if he realizes it outside of feeling in love with her, but I just, I think he'd feel it a little more poignantly if he fell in love with her. And so the toxic part of me wants him to fall in love with her and have it be too late or something, right? Um, Oof, brutal. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, is, but is the main ship Mudok and Jong-uk? Because I don't get it. I, yeah, I don't necessarily feel it, but I, I do believe that that's supposed to be the main ship. I am in a place where I wouldn't be sad to find out that it wasn't. If they said, nope, pivot, it really was always supposed to be Mudok and Autumn, Seo Yul, and then uh, Winter and Spring. Same. That's, yeah. I feel like they're giving us little moments between Mudok and Jong-uk that are that are appealing to my monkey brain. I'll say it. I like it. I like their hug. I like them sleeping in the bed together. It's all good. She's telling him stories. She's being there for him. But I hate the I hate his dumb brain. I hate his toxic dumb brain that the second anything goes wrong for him, he just pushes everyone away. And how many times is it only twice now that he's he's been like, I don't want to do this anymore and she's like, Well, you're my only hope. I've said that four dozen times in the last like five weeks that we've known each other, maybe two weeks that we've known each other. <laughs> I've said it so many times. You are my only option. I am your only option. That was the agreement. And he's like, mm, but every other day I'm going to decide that that's not the agreement and say, go fuck yourself to your face. Even though I hugged you yesterday, I literally picked you up and hugged you intimately. Yeah. And I will say he took in some pretty heavy trauma from from Park Jin uh, to to the extent that I could see why he kind of shut down and he was like, I don't like I, my whole the axis of my world just adjusted 
to something that I didn't expect, and so I have to take some time to rethink this. But yeah, at the end of the day, he's still in it only for himself. He's only in it for himself insofar as he's still getting the benefit that he was looking for from their partnership and cannot see past how it like how deep she is in it she's in the shit she's full she's literally in the shit for him at some parts um (laughs) and so and he just he'll he'll help her out you know in the moment but he will not think long term of how much she's done for him up to this point and how much he needs to continue to do to make that make sense. And yeah, it's just really, really frustrating when every couple of episodes he changes his mind because someone hurts his feelings. And I don't want to be reductive about the trauma that he went through with what his uncle decided to lie to him about. But that said, yeah, I don't know, just the amount of times she has put her life on the line because she has literally no other choice. And he's still kind of just okay with the fact that she's done that. He's super, super selfish, super short-sighted. I don't, I also, I'm the same way where I, I liked their hug. I liked that their hug was very reciprocated. I get used to the K-drama hug where only one person is <laughs> hugging the other and the other just holds really still and it's never a good time. It just feels very unromantic and that is not what this hug was. It was a reciprocated hug. It was, it felt very platonic, but in a in an intimate way, which is to say it was not romantic, but it was intimate and I really liked that and I like that being the basis of their relationship, like the foundation of their relationship, them becoming close in a way that's not romantic long before they ever become close in a way that's romantic. That enemies to friends to lovers thing, I think is way better than enemies to lovers thing any day. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are parts where I, I feel it and I am into it to some extent, but yeah. I, I am still very much like if they pivot and, and don't make it happen, I I wouldn't be hurt at this point. Same. That's where I'm at. Because, yeah, they they put him in bed together and I'm like, oh, this is the ship. This is it. We're on board. Here we go. <laughs> and then 30 minutes later, they are fully separating. They're like, he's, he's back in his I never want to see you again. You can just go jump off the cliff. I don't really care what happens to you. And I'm like, can we not, like you said, I guess you're more compassionate than me in being like, he just went through the most traumatic event of his life. Like he is not in his right mindset in that moment, but it just sucks that two weeks ago or one week ago, whenever it was, she literally did jump off a cliff when he told her to, because she's like, this is not like your choice. You, I'm not doing it because you told me to. I'm doing it because if you're not my lifeline anymore, I have nothing else to hang on to. And he does not give a shit. He's like, (laughs) you do not matter to me at all. You matter insofar as you can be useful to me. Now that I've decided you will not be, go jump off a cliff and die. And I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super sick of his shit. Extremely super, super sick of his shit. I, I think it's very frustrating to have made a main character that selfish because they are definitely walking the line of how much I can root for him as a main character before I'm pretty much done with him. And I hate when K-dramas do that, where they say, um, you know, it's that that tale as old as time, like you said, him being winter, right? cold on the outside, warm on the inside, uh, trope of emotionally unavailable, aloof, but a real badass, you know, super powerful. And that's <laughs> that's his whole personality and that's why we're supposed to care about him. When 100 times over, if they make a really kind, interesting, you know, thoughtful in one way or another, right? Maybe they're super intelligent or maybe they're super wise or maybe they're super emotionally intelligent, uh, whatever the case may be, 
when they have those more dynamic qualities of not just cold on the cold on the outside, warm-ish on the inside, but mostly just powerful. If you really just like branch out, but ideally they're like a good person, I'm or interestingly morally gray. Not just I am a rich baby boy brat. <laughs> Selfish flip-flopper. Yeah, yeah. Um, cause I, I also love a morally gray character who has interesting motivations, but his motivations, yeah, flip-flop all the time anyway, and so it's just kind of, I don't know. I don't know, yeah, I'm just not rooting for him right now. I would have loved to see him take after his mother in the sense that he was lovable and kind, and that's why everyone actually wants to protect him and make sure he's okay at all times, up until this point when he starts think a lot starts changing where everyone's like his whole life he's been de hua, you know he's been good to people and beloved and we just can't imagine this place without him and that's why we protect him not just because we think he is some absent dude's kid that and the heir to some bullshit or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have been rewatching a lot of Naruto this weekend. We're getting even to the Naruto early, and I think <laughs> it's hard not to make that comparison to be like, he doesn't seem like the classic tsundere, like cold on the outside, warm on the inside. He almost seems like cold on the outside, insane on the inside, like a little silly guy like Naruto, yeah. where Naruto's not cold on the outside. He's just silly guy all the time. <laughs> and I think they've given us a lot of that in his in Jong-uk's characterization of like he looks like he's very aloof and he just watches and observes and take thing takes things in but really he's like he's going crazy he's always silly guy he's always thinking of all these insane little plans to try and get his magic back he's always reading his books and preparing for the day when he's going to fight but then also he did not train at all. He like has never done a push-up in his life, which is insane to me. <laughs> and as soon as yeah, things start to go wrong, he becomes the meanest person alive. He's not cold and he's not silly. He's just like mean and vicious. Yeah. And pushes people away and you're like, "How have you had friends for so long?" How have you had anybody who likes you and is willing to do anything except open your gate? Because these people are nice, and you're not very nice. When push comes to shove, you are shoving, for sure. Yeah. Yep. I don't get it. But I'm hoping the camping trip will help. I think it'll turn him around, take take out his like little prissy boy princeliness, and be like, you are no longer who you were. You are now camping with the most dangerous assassin ever known to this world. Let's go have some marshmallows. Let's do some push-ups. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Yeah. This is going to be it. The marshmallows will make him warm and soft on the inside. <laughs> the push-ups will make him hard and chiseled on the outside. <laughs> oh, no. We're just leaning into the tsundere. We're making it worse. <gasps> oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It is. I am looking forward to it. I, we definitely went off on this show um, because there are some really frustrating parts, but so far I'm still really liking it. I think it's still a lot of fun, and I think that they've got some interesting plot lines going with the with Master Lee, and they've got some interesting plot lines going with this this duel between the Crown Prince and Jung Uk. I think that that's gonna be really cool because I hate that stupid oh, that's Crown Prince. Be so cool. And I want his oh, really? I want his stupid little face to get crushed. Um, what? Yeah, I like the Crown Prince. I think he's interesting. He is. I, I will give him that. He's an interesting character. I just want to see him crushed. Uh, so bad. So so bad. Um, oh no. Yeah. I I I think he's interesting, but I don't like him eat the rich always. Fair. I yeah, I think I don't want him to win only in that 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 means that Jin Mu also doesn't win. Like he's very much under the wing of our our villain, our main villain. And I love that, but it also 
makes me tense. And I think that's the point. So I don't even know who to root for. Because just winning will just make things worse. It will be the start of the end game, it feels like. And in that way, it's too dangerous. It's too risky. It's too risky. Stop fighting the prince. Do you what, are the prince. Do what your stupid absent dad says and amount to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we want for you. <laughs> I don't... Oh... Uh, no, see, I'm very much the over-preparer. You can hear it in my plans for other people as well as for myself, where I'm like, no, just give it more time. You've only unlocked your powers for, like, a day now, so maybe do some more training before you decide to overthrow the Empire. Like, you're allowed. You can overthrow the Empire. Apparently, it's your birthright. But um, can you at least wait until you can do one push-up? Oh, please. I'm so sorry. I know that we were using, like, we're getting ready to wrap up language, and I know that we've gone pretty long, so I just want to do a really quick note on how they've decided that he is definitively the emperor's uh, conception with the Hua, being that there was a star that prophesied the birth of the new emperor on that day, or whatever, right? Where they they, like, got into it with it, and I'm still just not convinced because I just think that there are a million and one ways that a person could become the next emperor and it him being born under that star. Like, we say the only way to do it is succession or whatever, but history and also the fact that this is fantasy, I think, dictates that honestly, at some point, someone could overthrow the empire and just become the new emperor and... So if we're prophesying it, it just feels a little bit short-sighted to say that's what happened and that's why he's the emperor's son and not that Dohua was maybe already pregnant when the emperor made those choices. I don't think I realized until you were saying it. I I thought you were going to make the Jesus comparison because I (laughs) did not make the Jesus comparison. I have not studied um, Christianity very very well. So I did not get the reference of like, there's a big star in the sky and a child is born underneath it. And that is the the thing that foretold that he will be a very powerful wizard. Because like, that's wild. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, they just reference that as proof. Like I think even the emperor says it at one point when he's talking to um, what's his face? The dad. The powerful sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Absent dad. Um, the dad who will not be named. <laughs> we will not learn his name for this podcast. No. Thank you for your emails. We are politely ignoring that man. We hate him. Um, so, but yeah, <laughs> they have a conversation after it happens where the emperor was like, it's prophesied or something. I don't know. There was just some kind of different quote unquote yeah. proof that this was going to be his son by Dohua. And it, I just don't think it's proof. I just don't think it's proof because <laughs> I, maybe my dream for this show is that they find some way to prove. I don't know how they would do it. There's magic, so I guess it's possible. But they could prove that she was pregnant before that all happened, and then his dad also. I, What I want is for everyone to regret their actions in the deepest, most yes. poignant way possible, including and, and especially uh, this man, the dad who shall not be named. I want him to be like, <laughs> I've made a huge mistake because that was my son the whole time, and I was so blind, and I got it so twisted, and I can I? There's nothing that I can do, and I couldn't be more sorry. That's my dream for this show. Fair. I like that. Yeah, because it's it's much needed healing that we need from this show. We need some healing. We need some hugs. I now that we're just still talking, we're going way too long. We are going to wrap up soon. We promise. <laughs> I just want to say, since we shit on it for so long. I want to say some of my favorite things, which were episode three was super romantic. That had the freaking uh, bridge scene with Mudok and Soyol. Oh my god, Raquel, my heart! That ship was fully setting sail. Yeah. I am team those two, hundred percent. That was a romantic episode, that and was. I did not expect it to come that quickly. And then episode four was one of the funniest episodes so far, which is saying something because this show has been very funny. 
but the chamber pot scene. I'm usually not one for bathroom humor. That had me rolling. It was extremely good. It was nuts because I think if it had just been the two of them, it would not have hit so hard. The comedy of it would not have hit so hard. But because everyone and their dog was like, I'll do it. No, me. I'll do it. And immediately regretting their decisions deeply, deeply, deeply. And it just went on for so long that even the prince was just finished. He just said, I've just got to go. Just don't even worry about it, bro. This was insane. (laughs) It's so funny. Oh, I love it. It was a good end to a very tense sword fight. So I... What a balance. What a good show. <laughs> They've got pacing nailed. Yes. Yes. So far, so good on the pacing. And yeah, the comedic timing. So very good. So very good. I'm excited to watch more for all of our... Okay, we critique because we care. Mm-hmm. For all of our critiques, it's only because we love this show so much. We're so in it. Yeah, we're in it. I'm excited for more. I'm excited to watch it and see what else happens and give it... Continue giving it the benefit of the doubt that things will get better for women, and we'll stop <laughs> trashing women, especially the dead ones who can't defend themselves. Woo, let's go. <laughs> it's your time to shine. <laughs> if you are also enjoying and watching this hilarious, silly show, email us at plankpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or uh, you can just find a bunch of stuff on our website, like our episodes, our links to our affiliates, and our um, you can sign up for newsletters, all o- and a link to our Patreon, all over at playonk.com. You can go directly to our Patreon, patreon.com slash playonk, if you want to support our little podcast. You can drop us a tip by joining our Bus Stop Girl Club, or you can be a happy award winner and unlock all of our bonus content, including extra long episodes, which we post every single week. Yeah, we also have the very most free way to help us. Uh, All it takes is just a little bit of time to rate, review, and subscribe us. Um, We always say just wherever you find us. I know it especially helps if you do it on uh, like Apple Podcasts. That's where... The magic happens, the algorithms happen, or whatever. The Google looks for the podcast much better. Ah. Yeah, I learned that this week, and so I thought I'd share that if anyone does listen on Apple Podcasts especially, if you rate, review, and subscribe there, it makes a huge difference. But anywhere, literally anywhere, um, does really, really help us out. It helps other K-Drama Podcast listeners find us. We are also on Instagram at Play on K Podcast, on Twitter at Play on K, and on TikTok on Play on K at Play on K underscore Emily. And you can find us and say hi at all of those places. We don't use them much, but we will say hi whenever we see your message. It always makes our day when we do. So thank you, thank you. Yeah. We will see you next week. Yeah, for the next two episodes of Alchemy of Souls. K okay, bye. K okay, bye.